Welcome to Overtime Hockey Talk. My name is Mark Paul, my co-host Justin Baker and I getting ready to preview the Western Division, the Honda West Division, excuse me. How dare I not include the uh, free advertisement for Honda. Uh, The West Division was not yet decided when we did our playoff preview earlier in the week and Since then, of course, the Colorado Avalanche are now taking on the St. Louis Blues after they won their last two games against the Los Angeles Kings. So uh, once again, my prediction on who will be even playing in this series was wrong. I I said that Vegas would end up playing the Blues. It didn't happen. The Vegas Golden Knights are going to take on the surging Minnesota Wild. So we'll preview both those series today. And uh, Justin, as we get started... You did predict Colorado winning those two games. Uh, your thoughts on just how this all shook out? Well, you know what, actually, I, I'm not surprised to be quite honest. I mean, both of the, I mean, Colorado had to play LA, so that was kind of an easy, easy one to predict. But I figured at least LA would want to play spoiler and sure, take a yeah. point. Yeah, exactly, jerks. <laughs> But hey, I mean, overall, you can't complain. I I think honestly, any one of these four teams probably don't want to face the other four because, uh, I mean, at least at the top, you see the the top three: Vegas, Colorado, and Minnesota. They were all fairly close in terms of uh, points. And then you know, of course, there's St. Louis, but they're a team. You know, again, a couple years removed from a Stanley Cup, you can't ever count them out as far as uh, talent goes and experience. Yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, it's a you know a good rematch from uh, 20 years ago. We're getting the. Uh... The last time the Blues and the Avalanche met was the 2001 Western Conference Final when Colorado won in five games on their way, of course, to uh, Ray Bork lifting the cup. And that was, you know, one of the few times that uh, that the Avalanche won or that a team won the President's Trophy and won the cup. <laughs> they did that in that year. Um uh, so the Avalanche take on the Blues, and it's really, really hard for me to make an initial assessment of this series because the fact that the Blues have had such a weird season, and they they were injured most of it, and they kind of they of course squeeze into the playoffs here at the end, almost like by default. Like there just weren't very many good teams in this West Division. Probably the weakest in terms of what you had to compete with down in the bottom. Like, yeah, Arizona misses the playoffs by nine points. I mean, Anaheim was terrible. San Jose was brutal. L.A., they had a little nice little stretch at one point where it made you go, ooh, they're going to be fun. And, yeah, obviously it didn't, nothing, nothing panned out for them. But uh, <laughs> this, this division was had a pretty weak bottom. Uh, but... This top, this division is very top heavy. I mean, even the Blues finishing in fourth. I don't, I don't. I mean, down the stretch, six, one, and three. You know, they won their last three, headed into the playoffs. The Blues are in a great position right now, but at the same time, hey, the Avs eight and two, and they won their last five. So uh, they both these teams coming in on a high, but also I don't really know if we know what St. Louis can bring and what they're going to look like because they. They've just been such a, a strange team this year, and they're everything's kind of coming together. For the most part, everyone's healthy, aside from, of course, now David Perron is going to miss game one due to COVID protocols. But uh, I, I would expect to see him a little later in the series. But this, uh, I mean, you got Ryan O'Reilly saying that they're going to win. So it's going to be a pretty fun series, I think. Yeah, and I mean, let's be honest, it, Ryan O'Reilly, right? I mean, you got to expect him to say, you know, hey, we're going to win. But uh, Do you, though? Do you see anybody I mean, else predicting that they're going to win their series? You don't even see, I mean, most, you don't even see like... Just keep their mouth shut, right? <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, exactly. You don't, you don't see, especially, like, there's, you don't see Brendan Gallagher or Shea Weber saying, oh, we're going to beat the Leafs. Like, nobody's making that bold prediction because, A... Most of the time you don't make that prediction because you don't want to look like an idiot when you get swept or something. Like <laughs> if St. Louis goes out and gets swept, it's going to be like, bro, don't ever say that again. <laughs> like in some ways you're giving, you're like fueling the fire, right? Like you're letting the other team know 
that they legitimately think they can beat you and you're going to go, oh no, you're not going to beat. Like there's, there is some, like you're just fueling the more reason to beat you is to make you eat your words. And, uh, you know, Hey, predictions have worked out. Mark Messier, of course, predicted that they'd, that the Rangers would win game six and seven against the, the New Jersey devils when they were playing in, playing them in the conference finals in 1994. Uh, that's really the only like legitimate big prediction that a player has made that, that really came true. I can't think of too many others in the NHL. I can think of like Rashid Wallace for the Pistons predicting that they'd win. And of course they did. But it doesn't happen very often. But also I think we probably forget the idiots that predict stuff and then <laughs> kind of eat their words. But hey, if anybody can do it, it's Ryan O'Reilly. Con Smythe Trophy winner. We know that he shows up during the playoffs. Yeah, I was gonna say he's got he's got the hardware to uh, to back it up. Anyways, Colorado does not yet. Yeah, yeah, they they don't. But uh, it certainly looks like there's going to be uh, hardware in this team's future in in some respects. Like th- this team isn't isn't uh, gonna just lose in the first round every year. Um, they, I mean, they they've been on such a tear. What they've they have a 15 game point streak right now dating back to, or they, they had one and then they have a 17 game home point streak from March 10th to May 13th. Like this team just, they're in every game. And that, and that's the big thing. Like, yeah, you're not going to win every game. You know, it's, it's just not going to happen, but Colorado's practically in every single game that they play. And that is what's going to be really hard for the blues is that, you're almost assuredly going to get one game in this series where the Avalanche's offense just kind of goes ham a bit and probably puts up, you know, a five or six spot on St. Louis, and it's just going to be a frustrating night. You know, they're going to win five two, six two, five one. You know, something, something along those lines. And I don't think St. Louis has that type of game in them. Like they're if when they're going to win, they're going to need to win four games. Maybe by a goal, but definitely four games by two goals. Uh, so everything's going to be much more tight for St. Louis. So there's a much smaller window for error. Whereas for Colorado, I think they can make up a little bit uh, for some mistakes potentially that happen because of their high-flying offense. I mean, they scored 28 more goals than the Blues. They they allowed, if you look at their goal differential, they they are separated by sixty five goals in their goal differential. <laughs> That's crazy. Uh, yeah, I mean St. Louis was a minus one, Colorado was a plus sixty four. So that is a I I think in terms of playoff teams, the only the only team with a worse goal differential is Montreal with a minus nine. But in terms of two teams being separated. That that is the biggest separation between two teams, as Montreal and the Leafs are about forty eight goals apart. So sixty five goals apart is by far the uh, the biggest goal differential. And I know that that that's a regular season, and it doesn't ultimately matter, but it, it does show. Hey, Colorado can score in bunches. Oh yeah, and they also barely let in anything. <laughs> right. I will say if there is uh, one thing working against the Avalanche, right? You look at the President's Trophy. They're the the, the season winners and. Uh, the last President's Trophy winner was 2013 to take home the cup. Chicago. In the, yeah, and the last, I mean, and honestly, since the, the trophy's been awarded since 86, only eight teams have done it, so. Yeah, but 35 years, eight teams. So you're looking at, what's that, like? 22%. 22%. So. 22% of the time the the team that is the number 1 team wins. There's 15 other teams. So you go and you split that 15, you know, that percentage up between those those other ones and I would expect that they are still the most likely team to win. 22% is pretty good out of 16 teams. So, you know, how we'd have to go, all right, how often does a 2 seed win, like the second best team in the playoffs win? How often does the third best? And I'll bet that it would be less than twenty two percent. Sure. So, yeah. but but it's yeah, it's rant. It, of course, it's it's somewhat 
random and, and you don't get that. But it, I mean, I think that you're crazy if you don't tell me that Colorado is the favorite to win the cup in in this league. Now they, they might they they might not win the cup. You might not pick them to win the cup, but top to bottom in their lineup, if Grubauer's healthy, if they have a serviceable goaltender, this is probably the best team in terms of talent and and what they can do to you. Doesn't mean they're gonna win because the best team doesn't always win, but in terms of pure talent, I mean this team is just built to score a bunch and defend pretty darn well and and their goaltender has been excellent this year yeah well uh we'll make our predictions and see who we got here okay all right uh anything else you want uh, in terms of st louis we know that they they have been killed by injury um it's even like tarasenko comes back and then he misses the the final six games of the season and eight of the last nine um, I know he didn't even play until March 6th. It's it's going to be interesting to see if he has anything in the tank for this uh for this playoff series. I mean, he did he did well in the playoffs last year. But I mean, he, then he got hurt. Like he was he was all right early on, then he gets hurt. Uh he is to me like St. Louis needs Tarasenko to do something, especially with Perron on the COVID protocol list. Like, I, I don't know if we'll, uh, you know, maybe he misses a game. Maybe he misses two games. We're not sure. How do the blues yeah. produce some offense in this series? I mean, listen, they need, right. You talked about Colorado's high flying offense, their ability to score goals. And you look at St. Louis, right. Ryan O'Reilly, obviously leading the charge with 24 goals, but the next best guy, David Perron at 19 is going to be out. He's the first, you know, player in St. Louis, I don't know in how many years to finish with at least a point per game pace, but yes, since, uh, uh, since Pavel Dimitra scored 93 points in 78 games in 2002, 2003. Yes. So it's been a while, but Tarasenko 24 games, only four goals, right? You want to talk about, they need a guy who can be a difference maker outside of Ryan O'Reilly, because obviously I think Riley, you're going to see him matched up against McKinnon as much as possible. Um, either him or Braden Shen. And I think, you know, St. Louis can't go wrong with either one of those two centermen trying to defend that high speed offense line. But, you know, they need Tarasenko to step up and be that secondary scoring when, you know, Ryan O'Reilly's not putting goals in the net. Uh, same goes with Mike Hoffman, right? He, he was third on the team with 17 goals, but I'd like to see a little bit more out of him. And especially because, you know, he's a UFA, I think maybe you might, you know, see a little bit more urgency uh, for him to score a couple goals. Um, you know, I mean, he's playing for a contract, obviously, in the offseason, so uh, it's going to be fairly important for him to, uh, you know, go out there and show that he's worth a, a you know, multi-year extension. But uh, more than anything, this team needs some scoring outside of Ryan O'Reilly, and hopefully, you know, if Perron's not out for too long in the series, you know, hopefully they can get it from guys like Tarasenko and Hoffman. But uh, the other concern for me as far as, Colorado and St. Louis goes. Um, I'm concerned as far as Colorado is concerned in the faceoff circle, right? I uh, I watched last night the Boston Colorado or Boston and Washington game. Boston just dominated in that that circle, and I think you know Washington managed to get a little lucky and uh, escape there with a win, especially with a injured starting goaltender and Craig Anderson stepping up to to plug the hole there. But uh, you know St. Louis is a much better team when it comes to the faceoff circle and. Uh, you know, we, we know that can create a lot of offensive chances if you're winning draws, especially in the offensive zone, and then it can stifle some some chances on the opposite end if you're winning them in the defensive zone. So, uh, you know, can Colorado find a way to at least keep it fairly close uh, as far as face-off win percentages go? Yeah, I mean, certainly if you can start the uh, start each time in the zone with uh, with with the puck, I mean, that's a, that's a huge advantage. Um. I will say for St. Louis, something that I'm, I'm not sure if it's just the way that they play or if it's just kind of, hey, they, you know, this season, everything kind of came together for them. And, and fortunately, they uh, they're able to 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 get a little lucky. But their shooting percentages for some of their players that are scoring a lot of goals are pretty high. Like David Perron. 
12.6. So it's not not crazy high, but it is just a it's it's about his his career average. So so he's all right. But then you've got Ryan O'Reilly shooting 18.6 percent. Mike Hoffman at 15 percent. He's normally at 12. Braden Shen 14.2, Jordan Cairo 14.3, Tyler Bozak 14.3, Zach Sanford who scored 10 goals uh 14.9, Sammy Blaze 25.8%. I mean, these guys are shooting way way over what they normally shoot. Like Ryan O'Reilly 18.6, he's a career 11% shooter. So, yeah. what I will say though to you know, the Colorado's side of that they're, they're kind of in the same boat. You look at Miko Rantanen, 30 goals. He's shooting at 17. Barakovsky, 19 goals at 18.6%. And then even Brandon Saad with 15 goals. He's at 22.1%. Yeah, so, again, that's very I high. Think, you know, yeah, a lot of these guys, uh, you know, again, shooting higher than they, they normally do. So And, and I, I wonder if that's some of uh, you're playing against, like, quite a few times you're playing against these bad teams and these really good teams, yeah. obviously, like L.A., you play them so many times, you've they've figured them out and they figured out how to score against them, and so then they just do that. Whereas when you're only playing teams four or five times, it's a lot harder to to rely on that. Oh, we know we know them. We've seen them two other times, as opposed to oh, we know them. We've seen them eight times. Right. Uh, so I, I I'm sure that that plays a factor, maybe into some elevated shooting percentages. But at the same time, there, Justin Nathan McKinnon only only scored 20 goals he only shot a, a, a he, I mean I guess he's only a career 10% shooter uh, but he only shot 9.7% but but a career, but over the last three seasons he's 13.7 11.2 and 11% so he's definitely shot better the last three years where he scored his 39 41 and 35 goals over the previous four where he was under 10% and only had a couple 20 goal seasons you know we scored 14 goals one year like he he just wasn't the goal scorer that he is of course now uh, or really the the player that he is now and i, I think if for the playoffs it's 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 a different monster anyways but do you think Ryan O'Reilly can shut down Nathan McKinnon i mean that's that's really the biggest question mark if you can shut that line down you you do have a chance against this Colorado team like who would I rather beat me? You know, that McKinnon and Rantanen, or am I looking towards, you know, I'll take trying trying to let Nazem Kadri and Brendan Saad and Nichushkin and JT Comfort. If those guys can beat me, then okay, fair enough. You know, that's their depth. But if you can slow down their big boys, you maybe have a chance. That's probably the only way that St. Louis is going to win this series. Yeah, you know, that's that's a fairly good question. I think really there's no shutting down that line. I think McKinnon and Rantanen are just too fast, too good. But to me, the question is going to be, can you minimize the amount of chances you give these guys, right? I think in the same as said, you know, watching last night, uh, again, the Boston-Washington series, you know, Washington did a good job of minimizing the amount of chances, you know, Marchand and Pasternak got early on. And, uh, you know, to me, Boston's second line with – Taylor Hall stood out as, you know, the team that, or the, the line that was really uh, having more impact. And so for Colorado, I think obviously McKinnon and Rantanen are going to get their chances. They're going to, you know, capitalize a few times, but you know, it's those other second line guys, Kadri, uh, you know, Brandon Saad, Nachushkin, can those guys step up and produce when, you know, maybe McKinnon and Rantanen are really being held in check for most of the game. Um, because we know, again, you know, I, I think, you know, you're going to see Ryan O'Reilly match up against them as much as possible. But, um, you know, obviously the speed is going to take over at some point and, you know, McKinnon and Rantanen will get their chances. You know, can they capitalize on those? And can the depth of Colorado's forward group step up to maybe fill in that gap that's going to be, you know, shut down by that, that defensiveness of Ryan O'Reilly? Yeah, and I mean, I guess when all is said and done, does this whole series come down to goaltending once again? Like there is a possibility that, you know, it's going to be Grubauer versus Bennington and Bennington have, has proven that he can steal a series. I mean, he can steal multiple series. Uh, but last year he really struggled in the playoffs. I mean, he was 05 and 0, 4.72 goals against eight, five, one save percentage. So I mean, he's, he's going to need to have a much better, 
playoff series and or playoffs than he did last year. Um, yeah, can uh, can Bennington steal this series? That's really probably the like you can go down up and down the lineup for the St. Louis Blues, but if Jordan Bennington has even just an okay or an average series, I don't think the Blues have a chance. Yeah, I I gotta agree with you because I, I think again it's gonna come down to which team is gonna play their game more. And so for St. Louis, it's kind of shut you down, play defensive hockey, you know, use the body and uh, really wear you out. Whereas Colorado is gonna try to beat you with speed and scoring. So um, you know, again, it's it's shown during the regular season that if Grubauer is you know on his game a little bit and they get some scoring, it's gonna be tough for teams to win. So um, you know, like you said early, I think you know if this comes down to a firefight where you know. St. Louis has got to try to put up four or five goals. It's going to be over for them real quick. Yeah, it's going to be hard. Yeah, Colorado has, uh, they have scored at least six goals in a playoff game five times since 2018. Only the Bruins have more. They have six in that span. Uh, so, and Colorado hasn't, it's not like Colorado's going super deep in the playoffs over the last three years. So, you, right. they're scoring a lot of goals in very few playoff games. And like I said, I think that's going to happen. I think we're almost guaranteed one game in this series where they, they kind of go ham. So uh, to me, it's that game. That game is the game that kind of sets the avalanche apart. And uh, I'll just, I'll kind of just go ahead and, and give my prediction here uh, in this series. I think that, you know, based off of a, a one beast of a scoring game and, and then, probably just you know being able to to outscore the blues uh, in other games and and Bennington probably breaking down at some point I'm looking at Colorado in six I think that the blues do have a lot of experience and heart I think they'll make it close in the beginning I think we might be looking at a 2-2 series headed into a best of three and I think that Colorado probably takes a couple in a row over the blues and ultimately finishes them out yeah, I have to agree with you, Colorado in six. Honestly, for me, though, it comes down to, you know, St. Louis obviously doesn't have their top point getter with Perron being out on COVID protocol and Tarasenko now really looking like Tarasenko, right? So, uh, you know, if they. Who hasn't get, really looked like Tarasenko in like two or three years? But. Right. <laughs> and so, uh, you know, if Bingington is just, you know, above average, it's, it's going to be a short series. But ultimately, I think it's Colorado in six. Yep. Yep. Absolutely, and uh, we'll we'll see though. We'll see if uh, Ryan O'Reilly can can muster some level of you know just just bring back 2019 Ryan O'Reilly and and have him just go ham in these playoffs. And uh, it would be fun if this series went to seven games because Colorado has such high expectations. I mean, it's anytime uh, the low seed takes the takes the big dog to that game seven, and anything can happen. It's always a uh, it's always a thrilling thing, but I, I don't see it stretching to seven games. I think Colorado will finish it off in six, and so do you. Okay, let's go to the other Honda West division matchup, the Vegas Golden Knights and the Minnesota Wild. This series is probably, I mean, out of any of these series that happen, is there one that is like less expected than, than this one. Nobody expected Minnesota to be this, this good. I think when you look top to bottom on all the other teams that made the playoffs, who's the next least likely team that we kind of thought, well, I don't think they'll make the playoffs? Probably Nashville. But at the same time, I don't think we're that surprised that Nashville made the playoffs based on what else is in this division. Um, maybe we we didn't expect Nashville and Florida to both make the playoffs. But I, I don't think that you look and you go, oh, there's you know, one of those two teams wouldn't make the playoffs. I think you kind of knew, you knew Chicago, Detroit, and Columbus weren't going to make the playoffs. So you knew kind of two of the, one of the, one of those two teams would make it. You thought Dallas would be in there, but um, I don't think that it's a huge shock. But I, for me, Minnesota being where they are and making the playoffs, um, I figured that they would probably be sixth in this division. And they, of course, finished third. So uh, Minnesota and Vegas. What are your initial thoughts here as uh, as we preview the series? Yeah, you know, I, I'm with you there. They were quite a shock to me as far as, you know, or a surprise anyways, 
As far as making the playoffs, because you looked at this team, you know, in the preseason, and I think both you and I making our predictions for the playoffs early on, uh, you know, we thought, okay, Minnesota probably won't make it. They'll be a bubble team, but you know, they're, they're probably on the outside looking up. I mean, this was a team that was aging with, you know, veterans like, um, you know, Eric Stahl there having just recently left and Zach Parise, Ryan Suter, guys that, you know, are on the downside, you know, as far as, uh, you know, their peak goes. And so, um, you know, for some reason, man, this, this sensational rookie, Kirill the Thrill Kaprizov steps in and only manages to lead the team in scoring and points. And I mean, he's, he just makes this Minnesota team fun to watch again. And I think uh, not only that, but then they got some really good goaltending from Cam Talbot, uh, surprisingly, because, you know, again, preseason, I was I was kind of up in the air about who would be the number one guy, right? Koken, Koken in last year looked like a pretty decent option for them moving forward as they had gotten rid of Devin Dubnik and he had gone off to, to San Jose. And, you know, again, Cam Talbot, he had been a starter before, but kind of had some rougher years in terms of, you know, Calgary and, Edmonton and so we thought okay is this a guy who can step in and be a number one again and you know he looked he looked pretty good and so um you know with this team as a whole without an, a, a true number one center either um you know gosh man it was it was an interesting ride and in seeing guys again like Max Zuccarello uh you know Marcus Foligno step up that maybe just weren't as dominant as before and it seemed like you know, a Calgary team a few years ago where these guys were all having, you know, career, career best years. years they yeah. just managed to, uh, to get in the playoffs here this way. That's a good point. Uh, a lot of guys having career years. Um, and, of course, the one little wild factor is is Kaprizov. I mean, a guy shot 17.2%. That is, I mean, maybe this kid's just a wild shooter. Unbelievable. And uh, and he, that continues. I would. That's pretty high, <laughs> 17%. But... Yeah, I mean, everything just kind of worked for this team. I mean, even despite some injuries, you know, you had like Zuccarello, he missed 14 games. Marcus Foligno, he missed 17. Uh, Zach Parise missed 11 games. I mean, there's there has been no shortage of, of some injuries for this team, and yet they have kind of managed to, uh, to navigate it very well. And, of course, they find themselves third seed in the – in a pretty competitive high-end Honda West division, finished with 75 points. And all that to boot, they you know, they did really, really well against the Vegas Golden Knights in the regular season. They had a nice regular season matchup against them. So this is it's probably the one team that Vegas didn't want to play. Right. So that yeah, I mean and and of course playoffs they're always a different a different monster and you're never going to uh going to have to look back at the playoff or the the regular season and go oh well see who won the who won the season series i mean minnesota was 5-1 and 2 against the the vegas golden knights okay so essentially you know 5 and 3 vegas is 3 and 5 uh but it's all spread out over a regular season and it's the regular season Vegas did have kind of a some different spots in there where uh, where things weren't looking great, and they had had to get incredible goaltending to kind of drag them through some stretches. But uh, yeah, I I think you look at the regular season, and it does have to give you a little bit of concern if you're the the Golden Knights to go okay, this Minnesota team they know how to play us, and obviously Minnesota they kind of went from from being this slow old team to finding this team speed. I mean, it's funny when they signed Matt Zuccarello to that big deal. What what was it? He's he's making uh 6 million a year for another 3 years after this year by the way. Um but when they did that and everybody kind of went what in the world and their GMs trying to like come out and oh he's he's an incredible he's like a water bug out there he's so fast and like kind of pumping his tires and we're kind of looking at it like I mean we all like Matt Zuccarello I mean I don't think anybody would say I don't want Matt Zuccarello on my team but for the length of the six times six that he got it just did not seem like it was going to be a good deal and the first year of it really didn't go that well and you know, now they, they trade away some of their, they, they lose some of that slow 
veteran presence and you replace it with uh, obviously a Kirill Kaprizov, but last year at the deadline, they bring in Kevin Fiala. They bring in Matt Zuccarello a couple years ago at the at free agency and, and some of their younger players are moving up the lineup. All of a sudden, this team is faster than uh, than maybe they ever have been. And this may be the first year where you can say the Minnesota Wild have kind of caught up with the rest of the league in terms of speed winning. Yeah, yeah. I uh, I can't disagree with you as far as the speed goes, right? They seem to magically get I mean, Zuccarello, always been fast. Uh, sure, yeah. And that's, and that's what, yeah. And to, to that point, uh, Zuccarello almost brought in with a bunch of slow, slow players, like a, a team that was slower and he didn't look great. And then all of a sudden the team speeds up and lo and behold, Zuccarello, I mean, he has a 35 point season in 42 games. That's a 70 point season almost in a, in a 82 game season. So, I mean, he had a, a really nice year and I, I think that you're probably pretty pleased with, uh, with the way that he's worked out. Yeah, and, and same said about guys like Kevin Fiala, Jordan Greenway, Joel Erickson. These guys are, are speedy guys, right? And so if you look now at their depth chart and the way they're playing minutes, they're they're giving these speedy guys a little bit more time, unlike, you know, guys like Zach Parise and, uh, you know, your, your Ryan Hartman's who maybe aren't as fast as some of these, these younger guys. But, um, you know, hey, I mean, you got to adapt sometimes. And I think Minnesota's still able to play, um, you know, that speed game, but also still play their – play to their identity which I think is still kind of uh, a little bit defensive right so they still want to go out and uh, try to play a smart smart hockey and play play well on both ends of the ice so um, you know again we'll we'll see what kind of Minnesota team we get in the playoffs now to Vegas's point you know this is a team that has plenty of experience as far as what it takes to win in the playoffs so you know that's going to be the difference for me Uh, not only that too but you know I love Vegas's depth as far as up front, you know, on, on the forward group goes, and even on the back end, really, I think, um, you know, you could probably match as far as depth in terms of defensemen goes on both of these teams. But uh, to me, the depth up front and forward is really going to be the the key when the series, uh, you know, comes down to it. I think, um, you know, obviously there's, you know, Fiala and Caprizov and Zuccarello, those guys are great, but can they match up in terms of, you know, all this depth up front that, um, you know, Vegas has. I mean, they have, in my opinion, maybe, uh, you know, the defensive forward front runner and Mark Stone, Pacioretty, who, again, these are 20-plus goal scorers, you know, this year, typically 30 goal scorers. Uh, you know, Marsha Show Carlson, Alex Tuck, they got a bunch of bunch of heavy hitters up front. Yeah, I mean, and like Chandler Stevenson had a career year, 14 goals in, in the 51 games. Alex Tuck, 18 goals. I mean, Alex Martinez had a fantastic year on the back end. Uh, they they got so much production up and down and and you know what the side note is Alec, Alex Petrangelo the guy they brought in to be their number one defenseman he I mean a he missed 15 games he also didn't look as good as as I think we all know he can be and that is scary if if he can elevate his game come playoff time which we know he absolutely does he's got a Stanley Cup on his resume? He scored a Stanley Cup winning goal. Like this guy knows clutch, and if they can get an Alex Petrangelo that is that 2019 uh, 2019 playoff run, Alex Petrangelo, this team is going to get a massive, massive boost. Yeah, I, I can't disagree with you. And I mean, look, you've also got Alex Martinez. He's in a contract year. So he's looking to make a statement. I think he, he did so in the regular season. Looked very, very good playing alongside uh, Shea Theodore for a lot of minutes. And, you know, Pitcher Angelo, again, a, a guy who, you know, playing 25 minutes a night, he's still going to be out there for mostly every other shift. And the production just wasn't there in terms of what we're used to seeing, right? And, uh, you know, maybe that has something to do with the fact that, you know, um, you know this, this Vegas team has a little bit more depth on defense than maybe St. Louis did at the time. Uh, as far as guys capable of putting up offense, um, so you know what are we going to see out of out of him? And like you said, if if we see that, you know that Alex of old, this is going to be a long series for uh, for Minnesota, or maybe just a short one. <laughs> so that's that's true. Now the, here's here's one thing about this Vegas team. I think when when you just 
you look at the names on, you know, Mark Stone, Max Pacioretty, Marcia So, uh, we, we've seen these guys. We, I mean, we've seen them make playoff runs. We've seen them, their tires pumped quite a bit. I mean, of course, that first playoff run that they went on, I mean, that just kind of solidified a lot of these guys in history, basically, because of that team. And, uh, I mean, you got Mark andre Fleury. And there, there are so many household names on this Vegas team, and when you go over to Minnesota, even their top score. I mean, there's there's every reason for many people coming into to watching this series to have never seen Kirill Kaprizov play a game. I mean, uh, you know, just the uh, a, an average fan isn't necessarily going out of their way to watch a bunch of Minnesota Wild games. You know, that's, that's just Minnesota as it wasn't on national TV very many times, so. You know, you go top to bottom. I mean, Fiala, Zuccarello, Eriksenek. These aren't guys who, if you, you know, you go rattle off some, to some people who are casual hockey fans, not everybody's going to know those guys. But casual hockey fans, they're going to have heard of Marcia. So if they, you know, if they watch the playoffs or anything, like this Vegas team got a lot of hype. Even, even when like ESPN didn't want anything to do with hockey, they were talking about this Vegas team because you had to. They, they forced you to the year they went on that run. So I wonder if some of the the reason that we look at this Vegas team and go, wow, they're so much better than that Minnesota team is because even even we as people that watch hockey very regularly and, and immerse ourselves in it, we recognize these names. Like the name recognition on this team is much higher than Minnesota. And so it's very natural to just go, well, I mean, they're, you know they're a better team because look at all the really good players they have. When Minnesota has some excellent puck movers, they 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 can do so many things well, and they the players on their team just haven't had the opportunity to to get their names out there by going on a playoff run because they really haven't been in a significant playoff position in a while. And so I think that this Minnesota team is going to surprise people. I, it's going to be hard for them to win this series because Vegas is just stacked. But I think at the end of this series, everyone's going to know who Kaprizov is. That is one thing I am sure of. Yes. <laughs> I will not disagree with you there at all. Um, however, right one one thing we, we haven't really talked about at all, um, the goaltending, right? You want to, I mean, I look at Vegas and I, I'm, I feel bad for for Minnesota this year because again this is a team that really didn't go and you know put up you know six seven five goal games um you know too often this year but you know Vegas is very capable of that but they're goaltending right Marc-Andre Fleury again playing like he has a chip on his shoulder because they signed Leonard last year to this extension and you think Andre Fleury's <laughs> out the door and like here we go again you know he's just putting up just a career numbers and with that experience you know I mean, this guy... He might win the Vesna. Yeah, he absolutely could. And he looks like he's going to probably steal a series or two the way he's playing uh, for the Vegas Golden Knights. So, you know, Minnesota could be could be in some deep water already. I mean, just having to see him already. So, um, you know, best of luck to them because I, I, I'm with you. I don't think Minnesota is going to fare very well against Vegas in the series. And uh, Mark Andre is going to be a big reason why. Yeah, it's it's going to be tough, and and of course, if anything happens to Marc Andre Fleury, nobody is batting an eye to having to play Robin Leonard, who has right. you know only gone thirteen four and two this year. Um, they just rode the hot hand. Marc Andre Fleury stole that net back, and he never gave it back. Uh, I think this is the first time in his career that he had less than a two point goals against, if I'm not mistaken. So yeah, and you know what I. It's, it's kind of unfair, too, because you look at this offseason in July. I think it's July 21st is going to be the expansion draft for Seattle. Vegas is protected. They don't have to give up a player uh, to Seattle because of the, the expansion rules, yeah. right? Which yep. just kind of seems unfair, as talented, as deep as they are, uh, that they don't have to go through that. But um, So, you know, again, Mark andre doesn't have to worry about getting, you know, snatched up as far as being protected or unprotected. Yeah, uh, goes, but you know we still might see a trade there as far as uh, Seattle looking to to get themselves a quality goaltender. But um, I mean, also though, the I mean, other thing is that you know you look at the what they're going to need to do 
in terms of re-signing guys. I mean, they don't really have a whole lot. I mean, Alec Martinez is really the only player that they're going to need to re-sign, which I don't know if that'll be in the cards for them. But and like Thomas Nosek, you know, there, there's nothing, nothing huge that has to happen. They don't have much cap space, uh, but they could trade a goalie. But they could also go. You know what? We got one more year with with Flurry and Leonard in a full 82 game season to be able to play one goalie 50 times and the other goalie 32 or you know closer to 45, uh, 37 kind of thing. I don't think you're mad. I mean, Flurry is going to be 37 next year to to only have to play him much fewer times. You know, even keeping his games above 50 to know you've got Robin Leonard right there. I don't think it's a problem. No. Keeping both these guys. Plus, they both have some level of a no trade. I guess uh, eh, Leonard's got an eight team no trade, and uh, of course, and Fleury's got a ten team no trade. So, uh, it you know, I'm sure they could find a team willing to take on those those guys' services. But I guess it would be more likely that Fleury then, with one year left at seven million, could get dealt if if that's the route that they wanted to go. But if Vegas goes and wins the cup, there's no way they're getting rid of Flurry. Not a chance. Especially if Flurry's the one that wins wins them the cup. Not a chance right. would they get rid of him. Exactly. And you know what? The one like as far as, you know, needs for this team, maybe in the offseason they might want to address as a top six uh centerman, because obviously Carlson's great, but Chandler Stevenson, is he gonna be, you know, your number one center moving forward? Probably not. Um, you know, he's right. better slotted, I think, as a third line center for this team. But um but still, I mean, you know, if you can move Mark Andre Fleury to create that cap space or get some capital to to bring in a guy, uh, not only that too, but you know, is Cody Glass going to you know eventually grow into that position? Who knows? But um, you know, I think that's really the only way this team looks to get rid of Mark Andre Fleury is if they really think like, hey, we got to do something about that uh, a top two centerman, and so you know, you can move him to to clear that cap space. But other than that, if, if that's not, you know, a concern of theirs, or if they don't really think they can acquire a guy, uh, keep Fleury and then play both these guys all next season. Sure. I mean, Marc-Andre Fleury is, has, he's already a hall of fame goaltender. He's third all time in, in wins, uh, which he surpassed with Roberto Luongo and Ed Belfour this year. Uh, I think he passes Patrick Waugh. Ultimately he's 59, games behind Patrick Wall. I don't know that he passes Broder who he's about he's 199 wins behind Broder. That would be tough to do at 37. Yeah, he'd have to play into his his mid 40s to but do that. But you know, you know if uh I guess the same could be said about Broder if there weren't for all these work stoppages, uh they'd probably have more. Like if if with Broder, if it weren't for two of those work stoppages that he experienced, he might have 750 wins. Maybe more. Yeah. Well, I will say we're we're no longer in the age of goaltenders playing seventy games a season either. So that's true. Yeah, where yeah, whereas whereas Flurry was getting that treatment earlier in his career. Yeah. Well, I I think that it is that time where we need to make our predictions for this series. Uh, we we actually I don't even think we've mentioned the word Shea Weber yet. <laughs> or sorry, Shea Theodore, <laughs> not Shea Weber, Shea yeah. Theodore, and uh, he's. You know, might be the he might be the best player in this entire series, and yeah, at, he very at, well could be at very least maybe the most important because of what he does when he's when he's on the ice. He's been fantastic this year. He he very well could be one of the nominees for the Norris Trophy. Uh, Forty two points in the fifty three games, but beyond that, he's just been so important. I mean, in last year's playoffs. 19 points in 20 games the year before that eight points in seven games in the playoffs. I mean, this guy shows up in the playoffs and he is going to be so important for this Vegas team. And I I think ultimately he's the X factor like Minnesota. Well, they have really good. They have a really great top four. I mean, Jared Spurgeon, Jonas Brodeen, Ryan Suter, this and Matt Dumba, of course, a very good top four solid top to bottom, I mean, even into their top six. I mean, Ian Cole in your top six, nothing to shy away from. But they don't have a Petrangelo. They don't have 
the Shea Theodore. Like they don't have this super high end defenseman, and really, even they've got to, Vegas has two of them, and then Vegas also has Alec Martinez, and I think that ultimately that's probably what puts them over the top. Now Vegas doesn't have the same depth on defense, so if anybody goes down, that's advantage Minnesota because Minnesota has some guys that you can slide upwards, but. Uh, but I think in terms of those high-end guys, those guys that are going to play 30 minutes a night in the playoffs, I mean, you're, you're practically going to have Theodore or Petrangelo or Martinez on the ice at all times. And that's, uh, that's potentially scary for Minnesota. So where do you go, prediction-wise, for this series? Who, who are you betting on? Yeah, I think, again, I think Kirill, the thrill, is going to be great to see. I think he's going to make his national television debut as far as, like, you're going to start talking about this guy moving forward. He's going to be a household name for everybody who doesn't watch Minnesota hockey on the regular. But to me, I think ultimately the depth up front, the depth at the goaltending position for you know for Vegas is going to win it for him. And I see Vegas making a, a short one here in five games. Okay, I'm going to uh, I I'm going to say that. You know, I look I look top to bottom at all of our uh, our predictions. For the most part, we don't really have any upsets. So I think this is the time for for an upset. As as much as I like Vegas, and and I I think they I I agree they're heavy favorites. But I think that Minnesota is this is a special year for Minnesota. Much like that year was very special for the Vegas Golden Knights, their first year, coming in with no expectations, and. You've got guys having career years. Everything's coming together. The coaching staff is is gelling well with players. You've got a beautiful mix of veterans and youngsters. And I think that this is Minnesota series. I think seven games, and they're going to walk away with shocking the Vegas Golden Knights here in the first round and moving on wow. to round number two to uh to take on the Colorado Avalanche in in the second round. So that's uh I got to go bold. I got to go bold and uh and pick the Minnesota Wild. I think there's something just going on. You know, sometimes you just get that year where you just that first round is so weird and there's always there's always that one series where you go, "What the frick? <laughs> How did this team lose?" And yeah, this is this could be that that Tampa Bay Columbus, you know, series from yeah. a couple years ago yeah yeah that's that's and I'll, I'll tell you what if talbot you know is hot if you know Kirill the thrill and uh those those young group of forwards up front from minnesota are having having a good series i mean they they've got they've got enough enough good players to really pull this off and uh you know if a few of the guys up front for you know vegas like stone or patcheretti and wild bill if they just they're just not on their game. I mean, this could easily go Minnesota's way because, again, we talk about a team that's just totally under the radar, totally unexpected, a surprise team for this playoff, and that would be Minnesota. And so why not make them the surprise team for the first round? Here's the other beautiful thing. This Minnesota team next year has $21 million in cap space. Here's the players that are going to be free agents. Marcus Johansson, eh, no big deal. You know, you can you can replace a Johansson. Nick, Nick Benino. Kevin Fiala is an RFA. They'll, of course, give him some good money. Nick Bugstad is a UFA. And uh, and Ian Cole. So you, you they're, they're not going to lose, and they're not going to have to pay out a whole lot other than to Fiala. And this team is pretty set up to be able to go out and potentially bring in some free agents and improve themselves. So whether they win the series or not, this Minnesota team is a team on the rise, and uh, I'm... I'm going to be be rooting for them. I'm going to be rooting for Alex Ovechkin to head to Minnesota. How about that? Just, kid, just kidding. That's, <laughs> you know what? That's I, I will happen. say uh, I was listening to TSN, uh, you know, last week. And, you know, of course, all that drama with Jack Eichel. And they actually, you know, the guys at TSN were saying there's two teams that could really use them that he's mm. likely to go to, and that's the Rangers of Minnesota. And you talk about cap space, right? They've got it to do it because, obviously, Fiala – uh, Joel Erickson Eck, they would they'll get these guys extended and it won't cost them too much more. Um, you know, but how perfect would that be if you had, you know, Eichel as your top line guy playing with Kirill the Thrill and you had Joel Erickson Eck as your second line center, I think they would be set up for a long time to be a competitive team moving forward. Yeah, how could you say no to that if you're Jack Eichel? 
Yeah. And then not only that, but they've got two first round picks this year. So maybe if you're Minnesota, you're like, hey, you know what? These are going to be late first rounders, uh, you know, hoping that they go, you know, at least a, a round or two in the playoffs here. And so, um, you know, why not give both those up to try to make a deal to bring in a guy like, uh, you know, Jack Eichel? I know I certainly would. Yeah. Isn't it funny? You trade away Jason Zucker and you get that first round, basically that first round pick. I mean, I know they also got like Galchenyuk, but um, that first round pick, I mean, man, it's Jason Zucker didn't really do hasn't done a ton for the Penguins and, and what could that first round pick do? I know they'll be, they'll be rooting for an early Penguins exit <laughs> so that they can get have that exactly. pick be in the, be in the top 25. So, okay, let's do this real quick before we sign off, Justin, I want to get your Stanley cup playoff uh, final winner prediction. I want to know who you think is going to win the cup. That's a lot easier way of saying it. Uh, ultimately, these playoffs and who is lifting Lord Stanley's goblet? Yeah, you know what? I think obviously we talked about it for a quick minute about the President's Trophy winners. Um, you know, obviously not being the the odds-on favorite to win the cup every year, um, the way it's gone. But um, you know, obviously, I think Colorado, Tampa Bay would be an easy pick as far as predicting the Stanley Cup Finals. But for me, I think I'm going to kind of go a little off the board here. And I think there's going to be a couple wild cards. Uh, well, maybe not necessarily wild cards, but uh, listen, NHL 21 predicted Boston to win it all. I'm not going that route uh, just because I'm not a fan of their team, although I did pick them to beat Washington. But for me, ultimately, I think it's going to be Vegas and Carolina in the Stanley Cup Finals. And I think that Vegas finally pulls off their first ever Stanley Cup. Okay. Yeah, it's, it's hard to predict who's going to be in the finals because you actually – don't know who will play each other. There's not like a West East uh, guarantee, right? There's no, uh, I don't think that once, once they go to that final four, it's like by points who plays each other, isn't it? Well, so it's going to be basically um, from what I understand, it's supposed to be the, the Scotia North division and the Honda West division on basically what would have been the Western side of things and then the discover central and the oh the so it is so the east okay so they do have that two divisions that are guaranteed to play each other okay i i actually yeah, didn't understand i didn't actually know that so uh or i or i i just conveniently forgot about it um <laughs> i am well in that case i guess that uh you know that that helps me there but i yeah that carolina team is is pretty dirty this is this is what i think is going to happen because I think that the Toronto Maple Leafs are going to the Stanley Cup Finals. But you know who they're going to have to beat in the Stanley Cup Finals? The Boston Bruins. What an unbelievable Stanley Cup Final that would be if the Leafs' last obstacle is the Boston Bruins. Wow. So that's what I'm that's what I'm predicting and I'm predicting that finally the Leafs break through, they beat the Boston Bruins and I'm the happiest man on earth for 48 <laughs> hours. Till I watch the news again. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> All right, there's our Stanley Cup final prediction. Let us know what you think. Let us know your predictions for the Stanley Cup playoffs and beyond, and uh, we'll talk to you guys soon. Have a good one.